Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. The cranial nerves are 12 sets of paired nerves that essentially have the job or function of connecting your brain to all the different parts of the head, neck, and the body. The cranial nerves are noted using Roman numerals and are also noted based on their location from anterior to the posterior portions of the body. Cranial nerve number one, for example, is the olfactory nerve, and it is noted as number one due to it being the most anterior or in the most frontal location of the body. The function of the cranial nerves are divided into two categories, either sensory or motor. So sensory nerves are responsible for things like touch and smell and hearing, And motor nerves are responsible for things like movement and controlling things like the functions or the movement of muscles or functions of glands. In this episode, we're going to review all the cranial nerves and go over the sensory or motor function of each one of those cranial nerves, as well as some of the ways that can help you remember this content. Are you looking for study sheets? I've created study sheets that cover the content of this episode. If you're interested or that's something that's going to help you on your learning journey, you can click the link listed right in the description of these show notes. Happy studying. The central nervous system is composed of the brain and the spinal cord. Now the brain is divided into four parts, the cerebrum, the cerebellum, the brain stem, and the diencephalon. Just as a review from anatomy and physiology, the cerebrum is the largest of the divisions and is in the area of the brain where the sensory and motor functions are both located. It's the area of the development of memories and learning takes place, the frontal lobe development, which all kinds of parents that have teenagers talk about. Now, the cerebellum in the back of the brain is responsible for muscle coordination, helps the body maintain posture, balance, and muscle tone. The diencephalon is located in the center area of the brain and contains the thalamus, which is a small rounded structure, and that's located just above the brain stem. The thalamus' primary function is to relay both sensory and motor nerve impulses to the cerebral cortex. The hypothalamus is located just below the thalamus, and its primary function is to maintain homeostasis within the body, things like thirst, hunger, body temp, along with emotional and sleep activity that occurs. The last part to discuss of the four is the brainstem. Now the brainstem is divided into three sections. The uppermost superior area is the midbrain, and this area regulates the heartbeat, reflexes, breathing, and blood pressure. The pons is in the middle area of the brainstem, and this is the location of cranial nerve 5 
and 7, which we'll review. The medulla is located in the most inferior area of the brainstem, and it functions as a relay station for things like hearing, vision, and motor function. Now, the peripheral nervous system includes all the nerves that stretch between the central nervous system, right? The central nervous system is in the center, and the peripheral nervous system branches away from the center, okay? The peripheral nervous system stretches between that central nervous system and the receptors, muscles, and glands throughout the body. The peripheral nervous system is made up of two different types of fibers. Afferent fibers, which starting with the letter A, carry information from the periphery of the body to the spinal cord and brain. Now, efferent fibers carry information away from the brain and the spinal cord to the periphery of the body. Efferent, starting with E, exit, away. So you touch something hot with your finger. An afferent fiber carries the signal to the brain that there is a thermal change. This information is processed by the brain, and then the efferent fiber carries the information to the periphery of the body, telling the hand to move away from the hot area. So the efferent fiber sent the email to create the action. I hope that makes sense. The peripheral nervous system is divided into two major divisions, the somatic and the autonomic nervous system. Now, as a quick review, the somatic nervous systems are conscious bodily functions. The sensory information is processed by the central nervous system in the pons area of the brainstem. Now, the autonomic nervous system operates without any conscious control, things like breathing, and this includes both motor and sensory neurons. For our studies, we're going to focus on the ganglion that lie on the outside of the spinal cord. Now, the ganglion is defined as an accumulation of neuron cell bodies or relay stations or communication sites for synapse between two nerves. When we discuss or learn about the autonomic nervous system, it's important to remember that it divides into the two systems, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic systems. Now, a quick way to remember the sympathetic nervous system is fight or flight. There's an increase in the heartbeat and respirations. Now, the parasympathetic nervous system is rest or digest. It acts to return the body to normal conditions and aids in digestion. One important key point to know is that the parasympathetic fibers and the neuron cell bodies that are located in that head and neck region can be either preganglionic, which means that the neuron transmits before it enters the ganglion, or it can be postganglionic, which means that the neuron transmits after entering the ganglion. And that's an important distinction. Starting with cranial nerve number one, the olfactory nerve. Now this is a sensory nerve, which is responsible for transmitting information to your brain about smells that you're exposed to. So when you breathe in molecules that have a smell to them, they transmit through the roof of the mouth into the nasal cavity, into the lining of the olfactory epithelium, and when this occurs, a nerve impulse is generated, which will then run to your olfactory bulb. The olfactory bulb is transmitting the nerve impulse down the olfactory tract just below the frontal lobe of the brain. 
And what's cool about this, which makes it easier to remember, is that certain smells are connected to experiences in your life. Mom's cooking, your boyfriend or husband's cologne, things like that. These nerve signals end up in the memory area of your frontal lobe attached to memory. So when you are repeatedly exposed to that smell again, our memory makes the connection between that smell and that situation, which is really neat. Cranial nerve number two is the optic nerve. This nerve is impulsed when information from light enters your eye and it's received by the rods and cones and transmits that information from your retina right to the optic nerve. That nerve impulse goes to the optic chasm and then travels through the optic tract to the back portion of your head. Cranial nerve number three is the efferent oculomotor nerve. Now this nerve helps with some of the involuntary functions of the eye, like constricting the pupil to change the amount of light that enters the eye, or helping the lens make small adjustments to see objects at different distances. This nerve function is to basically create specific movements of the eyeball and lid as needed. Cranial nerve number four is the efferent trochlear nerve, and this nerve emerges from the posterior aspect of the midbrain. This nerve controls the contralateral superior oblique muscle, and this muscle runs from the back of the eye socket to the top of the eye. The specific function of this nerve is to power the muscle to move the eye inward and down. Now you have this muscle and this nerve evaluated when you go to have your eyes checked. They use a pen and you have to follow the pen. So they watch to see if you're able to make that movement of inward and down. Now this cranial nerve is the smallest cranial nerve. So that's its claim to fame. And it enters the orbit of the eye through the superior orbital fissure. Cranial nerve number five is the trigeminal nerve. And we are going to discuss this nerve at length in a future episode. This nerve is the largest of the cranial nerves and it provides both motor and sensory function. Now the motor function is efferent and it provides the muscles of mastication for chewing and clenching the teeth. It also provides sensation to the muscles that are located in the tympanic membranes of the ear. Now, only the mandibular branch of cranial nerve 5 has motor fibers, so you want to keep that in mind. Now, the sensory function of cranial nerve number 5 is afferent, and it contains three parts that connect to specific receptors on the face. The three parts of the sensory aspect are the ophthalmic, the maxillary, and the mandibular. These provide sensation to each of the thirds of the face these three aspects, these three parts. Now we'll look closer at the three branches of the trigeminal nerve a bit later on another episode in more detail. So as you know, this episode is just to cover broadly the cranial nerves. Cranial nerve number six is the abducens nerve. And this is an efferent nerve that provides control for eye movement of the lateral rectus muscle. Now this muscle helps to turn or gaze outward in the movement of the eye. So that's what this nerve controls. This nerve begins in the pons area of the brainstem 
The abducens nerve enters the brainstem at the junction of the pons and the medulla, and it travels through the cavernous sinus and enters the bony orbit through the superior orbital fissure. Cranial nerve number seven is the facial nerve, which just like the trigeminal nerve, we will discuss at length in a future episode. There are several branches to the facial nerve, which have sensory, motor, and parasympathetic fibers. The nerve also provides efferent innervation to the muscles of facial expression and glands. Its afferent innervation is of the skin around the ear and taste sensation. Bell's palsy is a common disorder of the facial nerve, which causes paralysis on one side of the face and can have an effect on taste sensation. Cranial nerve number eight is the vestibulococular nerve. Now there are vestibular fibers and cochlear fibers, which both have sensory functions. This afferent nerve innervates the inner ear and functions to help with hearing and balance. The two components of this nerve serve to sense changes in the position and to maintain balance, and then the inner ear hair cells vibrate as a response to sound. These nerve fibers join in the area of the pons on the brainstem and exit through the internal acoustic meatus on the temporal bone. Cranial nerve number nine is the glossopharyngeal nerve, which contains both motor and sensory function. The motor division provides movement of the stylopharyngeus muscle. This efferent innervation also allows for movement of the pharynx as needed. The sensory division of the glossopharyngeal nerve is involved with taste sensation on the back of the throat and afferent innervation with the skin around the ear. Now, as a student, you may experience the motor action provided by this nerve when you are trying to take a radiograph on a patient and have a gag reflex. This is one of the cranial nerves involved in the process of stimulating the gag reflex. Cranial nerve number 10 is the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is the longest cranial nerve, and it travels all the way from the medulla and exits the cranium through the jugular foramen and travels all the way to the abdomen. The vagus nerve provides motor, sensory, as well as parasympathetic functions to the body. The sensory component plays a role in taste sensation and is involved with the innervation of the outer parts of the ear, the throat, the heart, and the abdominal areas. The motor component provides movement to the soft palate and pharynx, and the parasympathetic function helps to regulate the heart rate, respirations, and the GI tract by innervating the smooth muscles of the trachea, the bronchi, and the gastrointestinal tract. Cranial nerve number 11 is called the accessory nerve. And this efferent nerve provides somatic motor function to the muscles of the neck. The accessory nerve actually splits into a spinal branch and a cranial branch. Now the cranial component of the accessory nerve exits the skull along the internal carotid artery. This nerve is responsible for innervating the sternocleidomastoid muscle and the trapezius muscle. 
Cranial nerve number 12, the last of the cranial nerves, is called the hypoglossal nerve. And this is an efferent nerve which provides movement of most of the muscles of the tongue. This nerve starts in the medulla oblongata and moves down into the mandible to the tongue. Here's a memory tip for you. So some students benefit really well by using a mnemonic in order to remember the names of the cranial nerves. So the 12 cranial nerves as a review are olfactory, optic, oculomotor, trochlear, trigeminal, abducens, facial, vestibulococcular, glossopharyngeal, vagus, accessory, and hypoglossal. So the mnemonic sentence, which you can use to remember at least the first letter if each one of the cranial nerves in order, is only one of the two athletes felt very good, victorious, and healthy. So if you can remember that sentence and use the first letter of each of the words to then align yourself with the 12 cranial nerves. So only one of the two athletes felt very good, victorious, and healthy. If you write that sentence down in a test, it will give you the opportunity to kind of initiate your brain process on that first letter of each of the words in that sentence to recall which cranial nerve that one is. The other mnemonic that you can use is to help you remember the functions of each of the cranial nerves. So the mnemonic sentence is, some say marry money, but my brother says big brains matter most. So if you use the first letter of each of the words, some say marry money, just for example, and you attach those to each of the cranial nerves in order, it will tell you whether that cranial nerve is sensory, motor, or both. So if you just remember the sentence, some say marry money, but my brother says brains matter most, and you put those letters in alignment with each of the cranial nerves, it will tell you if it's a sensory nerve, a motor nerve, or both sensory and motor. And this will really go a long way at helping you remember the key components of the cranial nerves. I really hope that helps you out. Thanks for listening today. I hope this episode provided you some guidance and help along your journey to understanding the cranial nerves. Join me in the next episode where we will take a specific closer look at cranial nerve number five, the trigeminal nerve. It's really important for you to understand the details and intricacies and functions of the trigeminal nerve as it helps you be more successful in pain management and patient management in the clinical setting. I hope you join me. I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast.